This is the Equip Podcast from Cornerstone Church of Ames, a podcast designed to help you live a gospel-fueled and faithful life wherever Jesus has called you. Welcome to all of you again who are listening out in the internet world. We are here with the Equip Podcast from Cornerstone Church. My name is Mark Vance. I'm the lead pastor at Cornerstone Church, and I'm actually joined by a special guest today, Nicole Farley, who is on staff with us as one of our worship leaders at Cornerstone and also just an all-around awesome person with an incredible heart, an incredible mind, and a love for Jesus. And Nicole and I are here today to talk about something that we've just been kind of observing, I think, in our own lives, Nicole, but also in the lives of people we love, which is what we're calling um, information overload and fatigue. Like right now, I am finding myself like 20% more tired all the time than I think I should be. And the normal things of life seem like for some reason they are so much harder than they normally are. And so what we want to do is kind of wrestle through what exactly are we seeing and feeling in our life and the lives of our friends and the lives of people at our church? What is God doing in all of this? And how can we kind of take some steps to, I don't know, maybe fight the fatigue, we could call it, Nicole. So let's start out and I'm going to ask you, let's kind of describe what we are seeing. So when I say we just have this information overload and general kind of overwhelmed fatigue and stress. Like, how are you seeing that show up in your life and the lives of people? Well, in the part of the information overload, um, there's so much new information, new concepts, new worldviews coming at us that it's really difficult to synthesize all of that information. Um, while you're also trying to function on a regular basis. So that's what I see with the information overload. The fatigue, the way that it plays out, I think, I mean, it's physical, it's mental, it's emotional. I see um, myself and a lot of people just kind of withdrawing without even knowing that you're doing it. You're kind of just pulling inward, maybe pulling away from relationships. Um, Hmm. Just tired. You're just emotionally tired. And it yeah. affects everything, I think. Oh, I see it too, Nicole, with the... So we hit this coronavirus time, right? Yeah. I literally... I'm trying to think of how much I knew about viruses before this. Like okay? nothing. Like nothing. I never <laughs> heard the term herd immunity. And now we're having dinner table conversations about the nuance of how we approach that. Well, do you think it's 60%? I've, I've, I've heard maybe 45 Like, we know nothing about this. And have no so control tr- over it. So we're processing yeah. things we have no control over. Uh, yeah. Absolutely. Yep. So that I think it's that combination. It's all this new information plus this overwhelming sense that I don't have any sense of control over any piece of this. Yeah. Even if I did master this concept, there's nothing different about my life that it could change. Yes. So I have lost the sense of what we call agency, yep. that I have control of my world in some meaningful way. Oh, and then in the middle of that drowning sense, my kids are around me 24 hours a day. <laughs> I literally cannot get away. Which in a normal world situation would be incredibly overwhelming. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Now in Iowa, we had a Dereco, Derico. I don't even know what they call the wind thing that just ripped. And I'm looking around. I drove through my hometown of kind of Sheldahl Slater area yesterday, Nicole. 
I've never seen damage like that. Mm. Like I almost started crying, driving through it, thinking, oh my word, mm. I climbed that tree. It, it like, in all of this is hitting us all right now. Mm-hmm. And I just find myself at the end of the day, like ready to lay down about 8 p.m. and just sleep for a couple yes. days. Yes. I think what's it's so hard about it. It's just overwhelming thing. It's just the combination of big picture and also your daily life being so impacted. I I think it's the combination of the two. So even there, that example, um, you're processing the wide wide scale devastation and the fact that we've never had a derecho or however you say it in Iowa to date, but then you're looking around and seeing the devastation to the places that you love and care about and know that the landscape won't ever be the same. And yeah, it's, it's just all encompassing, I think. Mm. It, it leaves me with the sense that it's like there's nowhere in life where it is normal. Right. It, it's like everywhere. I was walking yesterday, we took some family pictures and we were at near Sailorville Lake. And we were walking along with my kids. And uh, we were kind of right by the water's edge. And it's like Iowa Beach where it's not nice sand. You just are sinking into it. And it was like you couldn't figure out where you could solidly put your foot or where your foot would sick down six inches. Yes. You know? Yes. And I that feels like all of life to me right now. Yes. Like I just want it to be normal. I just so I feel like even right now, I'm taking like the little mask thing, the paper spit catcher that I put on the front of my face, <laughs> you know? And there's times where I'm just like, I'm so done with this thing. And I'm like, I'm gonna take it off. I'm just walking around. <laughs> And I know the mask is not that big of a deal. It's just the combination of all these things where my feet don't plant right. And it's driving me a little nuts, I think. Another example I think of too is even just a, you know, you picture like a, I don't know, a shelter at a park or something. And you can see all of the support beams. So it looks very familiar. And then you just pull the supports out it still resembles what it used to be. You know what it should have been, but it's no longer that. And it's just confusing. Like, what is this now? So our whole life looks similar to what it used to, but none of it is functioning in the same way that it did. And it's like, you don't know what to do with that. Familiar, Mm, but very unfamiliar. Familiar, but unfamiliar. And now add into all of that, we we kind of connected informational overload. It's yeah. just the volume of information that we have access to seems to be just stunningly different than what we're created for. I think, I'm trying to think of who said it. It might have been John Eldridge I was look, listening to, but he said, we are human beings who have village-sized hearts living in a global information age. Mm-hmm. So I have a heart that can like deeply process and feel the relational intimate connections between like 50 to 100 people. And yet I have instantaneous access to every major news story that happens within 10 seconds. Yeah. And that's just a very different experience as a human. And what I, I like that you just pointed out, we only have capacity for so many relationships. And so usually, I mean, before technology, the information that we would be taking in would be in the context of a relationship, either with someone you already knew intimately or was in your um, community, but or or maybe you didn't know them, but it was still a person right in front of you. 
now we're taking in all of this information without the physical connectedness or relationship. And that changes the way that you can process that information, I think. So it's informational overload outside of a natural way that we would get information. And I think the combination of that is really um, tricky. Okay, so I want to I wanna dive into that piece there. I mean, it makes you think like, maybe we need to shut our computers off, Nicole. We need to move out to like organic farms. Amen, brother. <laughs> and and just, just, just live off the daggone grid because oh. this is just overloading us. And it's odd because even when I say that, there's a part of me that's kind of like, that is less ludicrous Yes. <laughs> when I say it than it used to be. Because of all of this, right? So you're kind of like, oh, so is there anything good that all of this is doing for us? Even particularly when we think about the information that we're taking in, we know we have village-sized hearts, but yet is there something good with seeing some more of the whole world? What are you seeing in that? Well, I have been thinking a lot about this. My example in my own life, we um, moved to India I had never been out of the country before and grown up my whole life in Iowa. And then we moved to India when I was 25 and lived there for a year. And it has taken me years to synthesize that experience because how I understood myself and my place in the world and specifically God did not fit with that experience. On the other side of it now, though, I see, I am so thankful for that um, enlarging experience because I read scripture differently. When I, when I read about God, I'm, I'm picturing the people of India and their life experiences and know that His grace is for my Iowa experience and that Indian's experience. So that's one of the, I'm actually really excited about um, what could come as a fruit in the American church from this season is that I think our understanding of the church and of God and theology could be really enlarged and expanded in really amazing ways. Um, it's What's hard about that is that it's such a process and such a growth yeah, yeah. season that it looks really, really messy when you're in it. (laughs) And we're all going through it at the same time. So we're all growing and changing and it's not pretty. (laughs) Yeah, there's so much truth in that, Nicole, where you're gonna look at the things that overwhelm you in life and either you're gonna go, wow, God is so big because he's been seeing all of this in an instant the whole time. And I'm, I'm so small. And people are so diverse and beautiful and incredible. And life is so complex. Like that, the complexity of life can lead you either to be in awe and worship of the God who controls it all mm-hmm. or overwhelmed with the sense of how little you personally control. Yes. Like it really is a tipping point of whether I turn toward him and worship and faith or toward the, oh my goodness, I can't wrap my mind around this, which leads to that sense of comp- comp- you know, fatigue and stress and anxiety. So, And I would say just as an encouragement, because 
all of us will be led to a place of anxiety. That's we have, those are our human limitations, but by his grace through the Holy spirit, he will grow us into a place where it can become a way that we see God in his greatness and understand ourselves in a new place of humility. So I think it's, it's both of what you just said, because we have a God who will change us. That's right. It's so often, right, the uncomfortable experiences of life. Yes. When seen in the rear view, you go, oh my goodness, God grew me so much. Yes. But if you were living with you, not in the rear view, but in the moment, you'd be like, I'm freaking out and losing my mind. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. The people around you are saying, what is wrong with you? (laughs) That's right. But God has, he, he is working on a canvas bigger than our moment. Yep. All right, so let's dive in here a little bit, Nicole, for some practical steps. I think as we talk about this, we're going to have a lot of folks who listen into the podcast who are like, I identify that in my life, in my family, and I don't want to just feel overwhelmed and fatigued. How do we, how do we practically fight the fatigue, so to speak? How do we get from this place of constant churn to like a settled spirit that God is doing something in mm-hmm. us, like what's some of the advice you'd give to people? Well, I'd say before we even get to the practical things, I think just well, one practical thing you can remind yourself is that this is a process, and God is working and changing you day by day. He who began a good work in you will finish it to the day of completion. So, even if you're feeling an anxiety or nervousness, or so unsettled, we can have so much confidence in that. You know, turning to the promises of God who is outside of time. So while we're confined by our experiences in this moment, God is not. He is always seeing where we're headed and um, so much bigger than that. And then I think one thing to just, even before we get to the practicals, is just Give so much grace to yourself, grace to others, patience. Allow those fruit of the Spirit to just really wash over you as you're in a very difficult season. Um, We have less internal resource right now than maybe we, a lot of us, have ever had in our life. And we have to acknowledge that we won't have the same capacity to do things or to interact with people as we have in the past, mm. it's really important to just be gracious about that with yourself and others. Um, so even before the practical, what can I do? I think that's like a mindset that Absolutely. would be good to get into. Absolutely. As we kind of step into some practical things, I think if I'm coaching people forward, one of the things that I want to emphasize to folks is that um, I think seasons like this they might require us to approach disciplines or walking with Jesus with a little different rhythm or a little different pattern. I have noticed in my life, for instance, right now is not the time for me to do tons and tons and tons of Bible reading, for Mm -hmm. instance. Mm -hmm. So my private disciplines um, have involved way more silence and way more uh, solitude and way more just reflective prayer. So what I'm doing right now is I read a text of the Bible, just like a chapter or a few verses. I'm reading the F260, which gives you actually really little reading chunks. And I read that slowly out loud, and I find one phrase out of it. So a couple days 
ago, the phrase was, you are my beloved son. And I just thought about that, and I just prayed through every line of that. What, is, what does it mean when God says that Jesus is his beloved son, and that I'm actually, Ephesians 1 says, I'm loved in the beloved. Mm-hmm. I'm part of that in Christ. And so I just had to, I, the, here's the mental picture I have, Nicole, is my discipline in the morning, I'm trying to quiet myself down, and I don't want to get up off the lap of my father until I know I'm loved and known. So until I have that sense on my heart, I'm not ready to go out into the day. And that takes for me actually being quiet, like actually deeply breathing and being totally silent because my world is noise. Mm -hmm. And once I have that sense on the heart that I'm known and loved by the Father, I can go out into the day. But that is a recalibration of my normal pattern of personal devotion. Yes. And But that's what I needed. I needed more silence. I needed more contemplation. I needed more prayer. So that's one practical thing I've tried to do. Mark, what I hear you saying there, and I've seen this as a pattern in my life also, is when the external things feel so um, confusing or disorienting, what we go back to is, who is God? Who am I? And and who am I because of God? I mean, just your relationship Absolutely. with that is just, you just bring it back to the basics and and that's enough. I mean, I think it's important to realize too and remember that throughout all of time, people have not had money resources at their disposal. People have lived in so much poverty. There's been so much suffering and yes. and there is grace for that in the gospel who is God? Who am I? Who am I because of Jesus? Um, so I am on the same page with you in that. Mm. You know, here's another, I don't know if it's a tip. I just think it's an approach. A lot of times when we get overwhelmed by information, we tend to think, I need to solve my information overload problem. Mm-hmm. So we focus on, I need to take in less information. It's like, I'm going to get off of Twitter. I'm going to... and. Frankly, there are times and seasons where I think there's a lot of wisdom to that. Yeah. I also think there is a point where I don't want to look away from the real world. I, I want to see with the eyes God sees me. So, But what I need to do is actually not get off, but I need to control a little bit seasons where I intentionally step into silence or Sabbath. And so I return back to the word of Sabbath even there, mm-hmm. like a day a period, having a Sabbath heart or even like a Sabbath hour that when we're at the dinner table with the phone, we're just focused on the beautiful people in front of us, not the, you know, glitzy electronic LED screen that I want to look at, you mm-hmm, know? Mm-hmm. So I'm trying to build Sabbath times every day and even just an intentional space of time every week where I just step away from the noise a little bit more. That's that's not really like I'm controlling less information. I still read the news and I still do that, but I don't have every block of my life dominated by that information. And so that's another one of those discipline tweaks for me that has really helped to quiet my heart down a yep, lot. Yep. And I see that what you said earlier in that in that little section there was we have the tendency to want to just pull way back or avoid it's i mean we really are kind of in a collective trauma right now and when a person is when people are in a in a trauma space they're either fighting or they're flighting 
And I see that either people are fighting with their words or their behaviors, they're kind of lashing out, or they're just running away and avoiding. Um, And that's a natural response. That's God has created that in us to help us deal with the world. But he also, like you're saying, has given this beautiful rest that we can sit in to to come away from the fight or flight. Just pull back. You don't have to live in the trauma. There's a new, a new space, a new kingdom for you to live in in this world. Hmm. Nicole, there's so much there. It's a really rich conversation. I want to leave everybody listening today with just a piece of encouragement. Um, you know, Jesus the Son of God, the infinite King, comes, and the Bible describes him, he's Jesus of Nazareth. That means he's a carpenter with a hometown. The infinite Son of God actually didn't heal every beggar Mm. that walked the streets of Israel because he was one man in one place, and he was there. And then when he wasn't there, he walked down the road to another place because he was Jesus of Nazareth. Mm -hmm. Not Jesus of everything in that moment. He was Jesus of Nazareth which means even Jesus had these limitations that God designed for his good and that he had to embrace as part of God's calling. And so for all of us today, I think that we can, in a season of a ton of information and a ton of new information, very quickly feel overloaded. But I want us to embrace that we're people of places too. I'm Mark of Ames, and this is Mm -hmm. Nicole of Ames. And we're called to love Jesus and love the people in front of us. And when we get overwhelmed, which it certainly will happen, we have a God and Father in heaven who knows how to weave those things into making us more like his son. And so my hope is that for all of you listening to the conversation, this is just part of that good and kind refining work that God does in all of us to take even our seasons of overload, fatigue, freak out, and stress and use those to make us more and more like Jesus. Nicole, thanks for being a wise guide and a help in this and part of the conversation today. Thanks for having me. 